This is uh, John's high priestly prayer, uh, excuse me, Jesus' high priestly prayer right before he goes to the cross. He's talking to the Father. This is what he says in verse 24. He says, Father, I desire that they, that is his people, also whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. So the first thing I want you to see from this is that Jesus is petitioning God on your behalf. Jesus desires you to be with him. You think about that? Jesus knows how much you're going to struggle. Jesus knows how you're going to sin and rebel against him. Jesus knows that your love is going to wax and to wane. It's going to grow cold from time to time. He knows that Satan wants to steal you. And so as he talks to the Father, he says, Father, I desire them to be with me. So this morning, even as it seems like I might be trying to push certain people away from Jesus, I'm not, and neither is Jesus. Jesus wants you to be with him. But then he goes on, go down to verse 26. He says, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. I know that uh, some of this language is kind of hard to follow. It's sometimes it's like reading Old English. The syntax is weird when it's translated from Greek. Let me just kind of clarify, okay? In verse 24, Jesus talks about the love that the Father has for him. Then in verse 26, he comes along and he says, I'm going to make my love known to them so that the love that you have for me, God the Father, the love that you have for me, God the Son, will be in them. So if you're thinking, Sean, how do I fight to love God more? How do I strive to love God more? How can I fan the flames of love for God in my heart? You should know, on the one hand, you do have a responsibility for that. We're going to talk about that next. But you should know that Jesus is invested in making sure that you grow in your love for the Father. It was one of the last things he said before he left the earth. I'm going to make sure that they love me with the same kind of love that you have for me, Father. And friends, that's just theology you can cling to in your deepest, darkest hours. So be encouraged. Your love for God is not ultimately dependent on you. It is dependent on the love that the Father has for you and the Son. And that love, friends, is eternal. It's existed before the foundations of the world. And it can never be broken. Next point, the practical point. The emotional experience of love is not a constant. The emotional experience of love is, I would say, not only not a constant, I would say never a constant. Husbands and wives who have been married for a little while, yes and amen. Parents, love your kids to death. Your emotional experience of love for them is not a complete high all the time. It's not a constant. There are peaks and valleys ebbs and flows. Now, I think, I think you could use married people as an illustration. If you've been married for a while, you can tell young married couples that uh, the ebbs and flows of your emotional experience of love, they're almost always connected to the things that you're doing to stoke the fires of love, right? So, of course, your marriage will feel like the love is fading if the husband never listens to the wife, 
If he never stops and tells her that she's beautiful, you're beautiful, babe. If he never supports her emotionally, if he never takes her out and treats her like she's special, of course your marriage will grow cold and the love will feel like it's fading if you're a wife who nags all the time and withholds physical affection and never trusts her husband's leadership and so on and so forth. The emotional experience of love can either be a roaring fire or it can burn down to an ember right on the verge of going out. Now for the Christian, we know that that ember will never ultimately, finally disappear. We just know that to be true. We know that God sustains our love for him with his love for us. But it is possible for us as Christians, for us to live the rest of our lives with a fire in our hearts that is so small it couldn't even warm our hands on a hot day. It's possible to live your Christian life like that. So what do you need to do, friends, to stoke the fires of God's love for your heart? Are you ready for this? I'm about to blow your mind. This is about to be revolutionary. You need to do the basics. Just like in marriage, right? Yeah, it might be great for you to like, your wife comes home and there's like flower petals leading in from the driveway and there's, you know, the whole living room is covered in roses and there's a jacuzzi run and by the way, here's the keys to the new car that you've been wanting. You know, that's great. That's really great. Amber, take notes. Hints. I like flowers. I like cars. Right? But... What you really need to keep the fires of love roaring in your marriage is for you just to do the basics well and to do them all the time. Be constantly considerate. Try to do a good job listening often. Show love and support. You know, it's just the basics. Do them over and over again. The same thing is true for our relationship with God. Spend time with Him in prayer. Talk to Him. Take your needs to Him. Spend time with God and His Word. Listen to His voice. Let Him give you wisdom for life in this fallen world. Let him fuel the fires of your love. Literally spend time with him in person. Sean, what do you mean? Friends, the church is quite literally the body of Christ. Whenever the church gathers, there is a physical manifestation of Christ here on this earth. So when you do what scripture clearly commands you to do for your own good and you gather with the saints, you are quite literally spending time with God. We can keep on going, but do the basics. And I'm not saying to do these in rote fashion, right? right? Just like, you know, wife, flowers. Okay, 10 minutes, I'm listening, go, right? That's not going to fuel the fires of your marriage, of love. Same thing with God. If you're here like, all right, I'm here. Let's get it going. Las Vias closes. No, it doesn't close, but I got to get to lunch. Now, when I talk about those basics, spending time in prayer, reading God's word, spending time with God's people, do those things seem like a burden to you? Do those things seem like something that you delight to do or something that you would rather not do? If you say that these things, these basic things that all Christians do because they love God and they love his people, 
If you say that you don't want to do these things, that they're a burden to you, I just don't see how in any meaningful sense you can say that you know God. Now, sermons like this are tricky. I told you guys that a sermon series on love was not going to be all flowers and rainbows. I told you that when you talk about love, you press in on some really difficult things. And sermons like this one are kind of tricky to preach because as your pastor, I want, I want to try to teach scripture in such a way that leads to conviction and not condemnation because there is no condemnation in Christ. But sometimes when we're sitting under conviction, that conviction can feel like condemnation. Just like when you spank your child and you know that it's an act of love, but the child may not feel like it's an act of love. They may feel like it's an act of hate. You may be sitting here this morning sitting under conviction from the Holy Spirit, which is good, but you may feel like you're sitting under condemnation, which you perceive to be bad. One day God will tell me how good of a job or not good of a job I did in striking the balance this morning with conviction and encouragement. I'll leave that up to him, but for this morning I just want you to consider your own heart and your own life. Don't worry about me and whether or not I was too harsh. Worry about you and ask yourself what I said, if it's true, if it's from Scripture. And if it is true, what does it mean for your life? Uh, the Scripture that Amber read for us this morning, one of the sweet promises that it has for us, after it says, if you love God, you'll obey His commands, Jesus says, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send you a helper. I know this seems like just a repeat from last week, but that's because it is a repeat from last week, because the same thing was true last week, this week. Jesus is not leaving you to fight this battle to love God on your own. Jesus has given us his people, his Holy Spirit, to empower us to love him the way that we should. It's not you versus the world, you versus your sin, you versus the devil. It's God in you versus these things that would kill the love that you should have for him. So friends, trust the gospel of Jesus Christ, which not only says that you are forgiven for your sins if you're found in Christ, but that you are empowered to fight against your sin and to love God in the way that he deserves to be loved. Let's pray.